Hello and welcome to Beyond the Balance Sheet, a podcast brought to you by Quilter Financial Planning. We're here to lift the lid on the world of financial advice, providing insight for those already in the industry and anyone thinking of a new career. I'm Hannah Vaughan-Jones. Join me as we address common misconceptions head on, gather advice from practicing advisors, speak with those who have overcome hurdles and hear people's inspiring stories who have chosen this industry from all walks of life. In today's episode, we're focusing on those starting out in financial planning from very different backgrounds. We chat to three financial advisors who are new to the industry about how they decided on this as a career, what their experience has been like, and how they found their first 12 months of financial planning during a pandemic. So I'm joined by Tanya Ellsworth, who is Director of TP Financial Solutions, Emma Prince, Financial Planning Consultant at Quilter Financial Advisors, and Joe Brooks, Financial Advisor, for Digby Associates. Welcome to you all. Lovely to see you. Now, um, let's just kick things off by finding a little bit more about you. Um, so, Joe, let's come to you first. Tell me a bit more about your particular role within the financial planning world. Sure. So I am a financial advisor for Digby Associates. We've got uh, 10 wealth advisors and four mortgage brokers. So uh, we sort of separate it down the line to uh, make things nice and neat. And I fall on the wealth side. Okay, great stuff. Um, Emma, to you then, uh, what's your role within this sector? Yes, I'm a financial advisor as well, like Joe. Um, I advise on mortgages as well as wealth, and um, I work for Quilter Financial Advisors. Fantastic. And Tanya, over to you then, um, your current role uh, within this uh, financial planning world. Absolutely. So I am co-director of TP Financial Solutions, along with my wife, Annabelle, um, and I currently work in the business as um, director and also as a protection advisor. Okay, fantastic stuff. Now we're looking at uh, three people who are kind of like new-ish, at least to this sort of like this, this particular area of the sector. So Joe and Emma, let me come to you on this. What were you doing previously and what made you want to make the move? Um, Emma, let's come to you first on this. Okay, yeah, I've had a bit of a, um, a mixed sort of career. Um, I did start in um, banking. I worked for Barclays Bank. Um, I did a maths degree prior to that. And, um, but then I've been working in the manufacturing industry and also for the public sector um, doing commercial and business analysis. So I was a commercial executive for a global paint company. And that was great. I traveled around the world. And I loved it in my 20s, uh, seeing lots of places, meeting lots of interesting people. Um, and then I started a family in my 30s and I needed something that was going to be a bit more flexible to, to that and doing the school runs. Mm-hmm. Um, my, um, my husband's in the financial services industry and I've always been interested in it. I just like the idea of helping people reach their goals and dreams um, you know, using knowledge that I've learned um, through maths, but also, you know, doing some training in it to be able to advise on that. And just, I'm just curious about the, the maths degree as well. Was that cr- like crucial to being able to, being able to make the decision, make the move? No, not at all. I think it's just, I think the main thing is I love working with people um, and having the maths degree is an extra sort of string to my bow because it helps with the, the numbers, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you need to have an understanding with, um, with numbers and doing some, percentages and stuff but I don't think you, you typically need a maths degree to do the job okay well that that's good to know because I, I don't I barely got my GCSE in maths but anyway that's <laughs> that's by the by and um, Joe, over to you what did you what were you doing beforehand and and why did you decide to make the transition well uh I sort of I came out of school and I worked for a bit in a few various jobs I thought 
God, this is boring. Let's go do a bit of traveling. Uh, I then came back from traveling and thought, well, now's probably a good time to think about getting a, a grown up job, so to speak. And I got a interview at a different financial advice company just to come on as sort of an administrative level and came here for a bit of work experience. And funnily enough, I didn't get that job, but I got a job offer here. And I came in sort of the ground level and I worked my way through being an administrator, uh, a power planner who essentially writes the reports for financial advisors. And then they put me through the um, financial advisor school that Course has running. And I just sort of did a full career progression through here. Mostly getting into it was something because I've always found work a bit dull, but this is something that challenges me. It keeps me engaged. It's just kind of a bit of a fun job, really. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I've uh, sort of followed that path all the way through and now I've been doing it for close to 18 months. Fantastic stuff. Now, Tanya, I know your situation is, is slightly different in that you were already, am I right in thinking you were already a director of an advice firm, but you've, you've now made the switch to actually becoming an advisor as well. So talk us through that, that process. Yeah, absolutely. So my background um, is in sport, actually. So I did a degree in, in sport at university. I always thought I'd grow up to be uh, the manager of Manchester United, but that, that didn't pan out. Um, so through admin jobs, really much like Joe, I fell into an office manager job within a financial advice firm that was already set up. It was quite um, corporate, um, quite formal which is something that I'm not, um, you know, I like being down to earth and friendly. So myself and my wife, we decided to set up on our, on our own. Um, and in, at that time, we didn't really have enough clients to warrant both of us doing the advice. Um, and Annabelle already had the qualification um, for the pensions and investments. Um, so we did it that way around, really. So I was um, practice manager for want of a better word um doing the compliance doing the power planning that joe mentioned um doing the advice on the protection side um but now's the right time for us in our business for me to take those financial advice qualifications um to, to make sure that annabelle's not run ragged and i can uh, pick up the slack <laughs> and do some proper work as she puts it <laughs> now all of us of course have had to experience uh, working through a pandemic and and in some cases, parenting through a pandemic, which um, Emma, I'm sure you'll be able to um, speak about as well to some to some extent. Um, on that point, then, you know, new career, lockdown around you, uh, three kids, I think it is. And obviously, you know, a husband who's sort of aware of of the, the, the sector, at least. How, how have you found navigating the, the sort of the first 12 months as, a, as an advisor? Um, yeah, um, for me, Hannah, um... Starting out, I started out literally sort of March and then the pandemic hit and I was expecting to be able to see people face to face to give advice to to meet other business owners and um, network and meet people where I might have business opportunities and I wasn't able to do that and had to just open up my laptop and get cracking really and see what was out there. Um, and it was actually, you know, I found it, you know, there was there was quite a world of you know opportunity using zoom and there was networking groups to join um i spoke to a lot of people in our in our business um through zoom and you know it, it was manageable I at first i guess i was start i started out as self employed so um i had to grow my business from scratch so at the, at the very start i guess i was more spend, spending a lot of time sort of marketing trying to find clients then actually working with the clients themselves. Mm. 
Um, so the first year was more to do with that. So I wasn't probably as busy then as I am now. So I managed to juggle um, things with the childcare um, homeschooling and, and home yeah with childcare I had a I had a child who wasn't at school who went feral and wanted to run around naked all the time and, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've all been there. Zoom and I had two school children on different levels and me being a maths uh, graduate um thought I could thought I knew the maths but you know according to my to my eight-year-old I didn't <laughs> I wasn't doing it the right way oh <laughs> I love it fun. But, but yeah it was um, an interesting time mm. but I did just schedule out you know a couple of hours a day at that, those early days just to to do it to because you don't want to do the exams and then forget everything you've learned you've got yeah. to put it into practice straight yeah. away exactly so um so yeah and as they've gone back to school I've got a lot more time which is great and uh, to work on the business and, and it's it's flexible which is great and Joe, you were very honest um in your initial comments saying that you know you've previously perhaps found work a bit dull um I'm wondering whether you were nervous then when the pandemic hit and lockdowns were implemented and then you're suddenly thinking well I'm, I'm in this new career now but I'm you know presumably at home or on, at least on your own for long periods of time which yeah. is a tough environment for someone starting out in something new especially when they perhaps need a bit more motivation or, or colleague uh, uh, interaction yeah it, it, it's tricky and there's there's a different rhythm to zoom calls uh than there is to a face-to-face -face meeting there's a bit more uh, pitter patter in a face-to-face -face meeting uh, a bit more joking zoom calls are very much quite straight to the point and being someone who's been in a lot of meetings but hasn't got to do a lot of talking in those meetings it's very very difficult to find your own voice when you're starting out on zoom uh, when we were able to sort of go sit in people's gardens i sort of leapt at that uh because one we were very fortunate with either and two, it's just, I, I think there's something that you lose in a Zoom call sometimes when you're seeing someone, especially if it's the first time you're meeting them. You know, if you've, if you've met someone five or six times, there's no harm doing it over Zoom, but definitely for the first time, face-to-face -face is always preferential. Is that one of the things with sort of building trust then with clients that has been the biggest hurdle, having to do things virtually? I don't, I don't think building trust is, is the hardest thing. So I think building a relationship would be harder. Uh, because you know, if you've got a relationship with someone, trust naturally comes with that. It's it's sort of a Zoom call, and you know, you, you're sort of sat there trying to speak to someone and say, "This is what we need to look at doing," and they're a bit like, "Well, I don't really know you. <laughs> We're doing it over the internet, which people are always suspicious of, as they rightfully should be." You've just got to sort of um, it's almost a bit more formal when you're doing it over Zoom. Um, mm. it, it's it's not impossible, but it's noticeably more difficult than if you're there, you know, in someone's uh, living room having a cup of tea. Yeah, I suppose the flip side of that, though, is that on Zoom, you're often invited then at least into someone's home so you can see their living room or their kitchen or whatever it might be. So in a sense, there is an argument, I suppose, that it's actually more informal and therefore you, it's easier to build those those sorts of relations. And Tanya, have you have you sort of found anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. And the same with professional connections, really. You know, if you go to somebody's house and you can see that they've got chicken ornaments and chicken calendars, you know that there's a topic of conversation about chickens. I'm using that as an example, but that has happened. Um, and it's the same with professional connections, really. A lot of our referrals for our business come from trusted professional connections. And we went from seeing these people at networking meetings or you know out and about at different things for the chamber or the federation of small businesses to not seeing them at all um so it was something we were really conscious of that when you used to bump into people we now needed to pick up the phone 
or send an email to make sure that we were fostering and looking after those relationships as much as we possibly can. Um, like Joe said, you get so much from seeing somebody face to face. You know, their sense of humour comes out a bit more. It's a bit more relaxed. Um, there's visual cues that you can have a have a chat with. Um, where it's when it's all virtual, it's it's much more difficult to build that that rapport. Um, I think through this podcast, you can probably see that we're the three of us are, are pretty good at it now. <laughs> we're, we're we're all right at speaking over Zoom now, but I've got to say, initially, it was very alien. Yeah. And what about, I mean, other um, consequences, I suppose, of a global pandemic? Not only is everything having to move to this kind of like virtual model, but also I suppose that demand might have changed as well, that people actually need more financial advice or, or you know, their, their circumstances have changed themselves. I'm wondering whether you found that maybe come to Emma with this one, that in the first 12 months, as you said, you were trying to build up your client base, but maybe actually you found that actually it was more accessible to you because there are just that many more people who suddenly realize that they do need some quality advice. I think um, yes and no, because I think in some ways people for new investments, because I was looking for new clients and perhaps people that maybe wanted to, to do some new investments on the wealth side, they were a bit nervous about doing that with all the changes that were going on. So people like, oh, I'll just wait a little a little while before I make any decisions but then also on the other hand there's people that that did have investments or you know did have changes in the circumstances that really needed some help so a lot of people perhaps maybe um one furlough or they'd lost their jobs and they needed to make withdrawals from their existing um savings or investments that they'd they had put aside for these circumstances so they needed you know support to do that to make sure it's right from a tax point of view etc so um there was sort of a a need and obviously with investments dropping like a stone in in march 2020 people were concerned and needing a little bit of reassurance and support that you know that we are still you know monitoring things we're in it for the long term and it's going to be okay and we're still going to be reaching their goals Mm -hmm. so there was a lot of hand holding um during that time as well and it and each client is different you know some people you know are fine with it but other people need a bit more support and joe i mean how uh, what would you say to what what emma's just said really i mean that that idea of being new to the game and at the start of a global pandemic as well and and the, the fact that you've got to not only learn the ropes as you go along, but also cater to everyone else's needs and, and it's all up in the air. Yeah, I mean, uh, we as a company found, yeah, I mean, we as a company found it was, got quite a lot of new business actually over the pandemic, especially, uh, pandemic, especially coming out uh, at the end of it when you sort of opened up again, because mm-hmm. there's all these people bored out of their minds. I mean, they've watched so many box sets and they're like, well, I might as well look at this pension I've got tucked away in my, my kitchen drawer <laughs> and it's just people going, well, uh, you know, if there's a time to get my pension sorted, it's now. Uh, so, as I said, there weren't very, very many new people coming in for going, well, I've got all this cash, what do I do with it? A lot of it was looking at what people have already got and putting it in a better position than it was already in. Question for all three of you, then. Is being a financial advisor better or worse than you initially thought? Tanya, come to you first because you're smiling the most at me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um you know, I've come from an admin background. I've always worked for somebody else. Um, for me, myself and Annabelle working under our own steam, 
has just been brilliant. I mean, it does have its downsides when, you know, our business generates both of our income and then a global pandemic hits. Um, it can be interesting. And we've got two kids at home wanting to learn about the Tudors. But that freedom, you know, we used to work in a very corporate place where we'd ask for a morning off for the nativity and get told no. And, you know, all, all this stuff that I, I just find it invaluable, the flexibility. Um, the main thing for me being a financial advisor is being able to put my own personality and my own stamp on it. I think traditionally financial advice has been middle-aged men in blue suits, you know, and we quite like going along with our northern accent and our hoodies and saying, oh, we, we do that too. And I think we generate a different kind of client market because of that. Um, and there's nothing quite like being able to be yourself at work. Mm. Um, you know, I used to work where we had to put a suit on, we had to, you know, get the heels on and, and walk around and, and, and be a certain kind of person, but working for yourself and doing it under your own steam, you can genuinely be you all the time. Yeah. And I think you naturally then attract clients who are like you as well. So and we're so just... Joe, you should know that this is no diss at you just because you've got the the, the navy blue suit on right now. We have no He's idea not a what I'm wearing. <laughs> yeah, you're not middle-aged and we've no idea if you're wearing heels, so so don't worry. And I, I still have my hair as well, which is uh, for now anyway. So Joe, then coming to you then on, on that point of um the sort of the the is it better or worse or the upsides and the downsides of the of the industry and the role? Yeah, I mean I, you know, as Tanya said, I I love it. It's uh it's something that I, you know, if you told fifteen-year-old me this is what I'd end up doing, I'd sort of laugh at you. <laughs> but I, I genuinely, I, I, I love it. I get to meet new, interesting people all the time. I'm sort of in charge of my own hours and income for the most part. You know, I don't wear a suit every day. You know, I just uh, thought I'd dress up nice for you all today. Normally, I'm in a Hawaiian shirt in a Doc Martens. I bet so... you've got um, pajama pants on there with SpongeBob on or something, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm in the office today because we've uh, got some drilling at home, so it might have been a bit of a weird look walking into the <laughs> office. Uh, so yeah, I, I I I really love it. It's something that I've been working towards for two and a half years. Uh, spent put a lot of time in getting towards it, so it's just sort of nice to achieve that goal. And then the new job sort of lives up to all the expectations as well. Great. And Emma, then um, the upsides and the downsides over the last twelve months. Yeah, I mean, um, I absolutely love it, like the other two have said. Um, I eat, sleep and breathe it. Um, my husband's in the industry and we talk shop because we do enjoy it. Um, and it, it's, you know, flexible as well, like, like Talia said, with, with my life. Um, but, I, but I do choose to, to do a lot of work, you know, the hard, you have to, to do well, you have to put the hard working, basically. Um, and yeah, some things, I, you know, I've, I've, sometimes I've worked the odd weekend or mm. the odd evening, but it's because I want to, because I love it and I, I care about my clients. Um, and, and I think what I'm trying to, to do is there are times when perhaps you're you're not as busy and then times you're really really busy and I'm trying to get the balance where <laughs> I can you know it's it's I've got enough work to keep me going and I've got some spare time as well to actually enjoy life as well that's what yeah. you know that's what I'm working on at the moment but um it's so rewarding I love helping people I love meeting people finding out their life stories it's so you know and it's just heartwarming when people come to you with um saying things that they're so happy with how you've helped them whether it's buying their first home or you know 
allowing them to retire early or yeah. reassuring them that everything's going to be okay. You know, and people really rely on you and that. Presumably you'd recommend this career to other people then looking to, to make the switch as well? Yes, definitely. Like I said, it's, it is hard work when you're first starting, especially if you start a self-employed like I did. Um, you have to be prepared to put in the hard work. But if you do do that, you'll be at success and I'm sure you, you, you will enjoy it. As long as you love working with people, that's the main thing. And Tanya, would you re recommend it as well if someone else said, thinking of having a, a switch and changing career or starting up my own Absolutely. business? Absolutely. I think what Emma just said, as long as you're a, a people person um, and you like working with all manner of people, the job's for you. Um, you don't need a maths degree. Um, uh, that, I think that's a common misconception that people think you have to be, you know, rain man with numbers or anything like that. And it's just not the case. I meet so many people in this industry from different backgrounds. And the thing that they've got in common is that trustworthiness and wanting to look after the client so highly recommend um I can't see us doing anything else now although Annabelle wants to retire with a llama farm so that might, might come up. <laughs> I might take up some of your time then as well um yeah. so coming coming to you all then on, on on the one piece of advice that you would give to, to to other people I mean you've already touched on the fact that it's you have to work very hard um, it's not it's not the kind of game for slackers, basically. But Joe, what would you say, to, especially to other people listening to this who may be in the same position as you were, which is not feeling massively motivated by by, you know, the, the roles you were in previously? I'd say if you consider yourself to be a good communicator and uh, somewhat organized and if you're willing <laughs> to put in the hard work, I it's it's sort of probably the perfect career for a lot of people there's there's a lot of uh, close friends of mine i think you would make a fantastic financial advisor but it's just it's it's difficult as it is with any career change just to sort of go right well i'm i'm going to have to take a hit on the income for a few years before i get back to where i am but i would say it would be worth it for the uh, you know the pros definitely outweigh the cons okay and um tanya then to you uh, what would be your main bit of advice your one golden nugget of advice to someone if they were thinking of of becoming an advisor and training um i think absolutely go for it but when doing it be yourself um i think that's the main thing be you be comfortable in who you are um and what you want to get out of it um i think it's an e easy industry to come into and kind of comfort form to certain ways of, of working and being um but i think it, it it tends to be a job that most people can do um as long as you like working with people and you're confident in who you are and how you approach things good advice really good advice and emma then to you finally um your one best piece of advice for someone who's listening to this weighing up the odds of whether they should have to give it a go or not um I had actually two, so I'll just let you know the, the <laughs> that I was thinking of. So I think it's really important to surround yourself with the right people because you might feel quite alone doing it. Speak to other advisors, have a business support mentor, mentor, um, perhaps even a coach. Um, also, really think about how you might want to grow your business. Um, everyone's different and prefers different techniques. Some people might like networking, other people might not prefer that and might like to look at other routes to get sort of um 
potential introductions and leads. So have a think about that before you, you know, while you're studying for your exams, because it's so important that you can start practicing as soon as possible, you know, and start sort of enjoying providing advice to, to, to others and helping them. Okay, well, all um, wonderful pieces of advice for anyone listening. So my huge thanks go to Emma, to Joe, and to Tanya as well. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today for Beyond the Balance Sheet, brought to you by Quilter Financial Planning. Join us next time as we delve further into the world of financial planning. You can find us at www.quilterfinancialplanning.co.uk or our advisor school is at www.quilterfaschool.co.uk. Subscribe to this podcast through your preferred platform. I'm Hannah Vaughan-Jones and thank you so much for joining our conversation.